My next guest I had the privilege to sit down with is a parent of two, a mental health therapist, a social worker, and has a passion of working with foster youth. Within this episode, we talked about having his parents a part of the renaming process. That part was really, really good. Uh, We also discussed mental health, the importance of mental health, and having access to mental health services. We also discussed the current anti-trans legislation and how that impacts uh, one's mental health. This is a really good episode. I say that often, and I'm not lying. This is a really good episode. Hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to Them Boys Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Aaron, he, him, his, and I will be your guide throughout this journey on the show. This show is a platform where trans men of color voices will be amplified as we share our stories. Trans men of color are not monolithic. What that means is our journeys are not the same. We come from different backgrounds. We have different stories, family relations, chosen family, and most of all, we have different transition journeys. Visibility equals possibility. I like to say that all the time. We like to highlight on this show trans men of color businesses and entrepreneurs, parents, athletes, survivors, and many other issues and topics that are relatable to trans men of color in our existence. Them Boys Podcast is not only a platform to amplify our voices, but to raise awareness and conversation around our lived experiences. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for supporting, listening, and sharing the show. Welcome to Them Boys Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Aaron. He, him, his. My next guest is a mental health therapist, a social worker, and has a passion of working with foster youth. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, My name is Emilio Perdomo. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. It's great. Great to have you. Thank you for joining us. And so uh, where are you located? I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area. Oh, born and raised out here. Yes, we are neighbors. Yes, I'm right across the 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 Bay Bridge. I'm in the East Bay. I'm in El Cerrito. Oh, I'm in Concord. Oh, nice, 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 nice. Oh, we're yeah. in Concord. Okay, when you said San Francisco, super close. Yeah, we 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 not even we don't even have to cross the bridge. We real close. Well, right. we were kind of far if it was during traffic and rush hour. I wouldn't come visit you uh, if it was 4 p.m. But <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, glad to know that you're my neighbor. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, well, so how long have you been in 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 the Bay Area? You said born and raised. Um, yeah, born and raised. Uh, born in San Francisco, lived there a couple of years. Um, raised most of my life in the city. Went to school in Pacifica. Um, and then most of my twenties, I lived in South City, and then came over to the East Bay a couple of years ago. Cool. Great. So, um, Emilio, so how did the name, how did that name choose you? I like to ask the guests this, um, cause you know, when we transition, we have the opportunity to shed sometimes our, our, what we call dead names and we get to choose a name that, that resonates with us. So how did that name choose you? My parents actually, uh, chose that name. So, um, let's see when I was, when I came out, um, I had been trying to come up with a name and 
they weren't very good names. They didn't like match me or fit me at all. Um, and so I had spoken with both my parents and was like, this is the name I'm thinking about. Um, I think it was going to be Ezra because um, my si- I have two sisters and they're both named with E's like my dad. And so I wanted to have an E name as well. Um, and then my mom was like, well, let us ponder some of these names, like um, see what might fit. And then um, when I got back to her, she's like, we didn't like any of the names that you picked. <laughs> they don't fit you. I was like, okay. And I was like, well, what should I name myself? And, and then um, my mom goes, um, you know, your, your grandmother is Amelia and your godmother was also Amelia. What if you name yourself Amelia? And I was like, that actually works. Like that would be a good name. And then I said, well, what about a middle name? I want to have a middle name. And um, she says, well, you should take your dad's middle name. Uh, my dad, two, he had three girls, so he always wanted a son. Um, and so I was like, I don't know. My, my dad's going to let me take his middle name, right? And so she gets him on the phone, and, she, and he was, I'd be honored if you took my middle name. Um, so my name is Emilio Renee, and both my parents uh, – my name essentially let me tell you how many goosebumps is over my entire body i have <laughs> never and 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 i'm just talking about the history of the, of this of this podcast i have never had anyone that i can remember i may be wrong i have to go back through some of the guest episodes but someone to say that their parents named them and was supportive in that way like I, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of jealous. <laughs> that is that is that's that's so beautiful to hear, right? And I won't say I'm jealous because my son actually gave me my middle name, so Aaron, my middle name is what my son named me. But t- let's talk about your family before we get into like your transition story. Like, how does that feel to have your your family being a part of the na- renaming process? It was incredible. Like, honestly, I spent so much time trying to figure out how to even come out to them. And so for it to be like, you know, fast forward, I'm picking my name and for them to want to be involved was everything to me. And they're, you know, um, my parents are from El Salvador and they're they're somewhat traditional in a sense. And so um, the fact that they were super supportive, like from the jump was incredible and after since they were so supportive anybody else i didn't really care if they supported me or not like it didn't really matter after that absolutely i say that all the time like if if a person has the love of their family and the support of their family who cares what else the world what the world has to say it doesn't even matter it it really doesn't so so what is your middle name uh renee so emilio renee perdomo yes beautiful i love that love it Love it. I'm so happy that your parents was a part of the process. That's amazing. Like to have that, that's that's something definitely to cherish. Yeah, no, I, I'm very lucky. And I know that it's like a unicorn story too, because a lot of people don't have that type of support, um, let alone getting renamed. So I know that that's special. Yeah, definitely. And I, I like to say that uh, visibility equals possibility. So just from hearing that, and knowing that there is a possibility that our that we can have parents that love and support their children no matter what, um, so that there is a possibility. Um, so, you mind sharing with us your transition story from beginning to where we are now, where you are now? Yeah. So, um, 
uh, in high school, I didn't quite know what was up with me in the sense of uh, my attraction to women or how I presented. For a long time, I would even wear pajama pants to school <laughs> just because I didn't want to wear like tight fitting um, clothes. Um, and at 19, um, I had a friend pass away who was gay and she was out and proud since we were in middle school. And so um, at that point, I realized like I need to come out. Um, and so I came out as lesbian. And so at that point, I thought life was great. I was like, all right, this is cool. This is what it's supposed to be like. Um, I actually had met um, a lady when I was 20 or 19. Um, and we ended up being together for 14 years um, and got married and all of that. Um, but when I turned 30, we went to celebrate, um, uh, I think my graduation or something from like my bachelor's um, in the Dominican Republic. And when I was there, um, there was one day where I was sitting on the beach and I was like getting really upset. Like I was like pissed. And my partner at the time was like, well, what's going on with you? And, you know, I didn't, I didn't know how to express it. And so essentially what was going on is that I was jealous of guys walking around uh, bare chested, you know, and it wasn't like I want to not wear a sports bra or like anything feminist wise. It was more so like, why can't my chest look like that? Um, and so uh, coming back, um, I Googled, you know, because I, I didn't really have any um, transgender role models or people that I that had visibility at the time, I guess, you know. And so I wasn't really sure what was going on with me. Um, and so um, deep dive YouTube, find a whole bunch of YouTubers on there who were um, transgender. And it was an instant, like, this is what I'm, this is what I'm, so I should have been born a boy. This is what it's supposed to be. And um, for me, it was like this like realization and then like everything else in my life clicked, like not wanting to wear dresses as a kid, fighting with my, the neighbors, uh, you know, down the street that were boys, um, like just not wanting to play with dolls and wanting to play with uh, toy soldiers and guns. And, and not to say like that those like gender stereotypes of what boys and girls play with but like that was literally what I did my whole life like was considered you know what we would say like a tomboy um and and even in my teens I remember like if I would shower I would stand in the mirror and I would cut my chest to make it look like it was flat and looking back I'm like wow so I've had these feelings my whole life but I just didn't know the words um or have the right context to kind of like make it all click. Um, so at that point, um, I came out to a couple of people. I came out to my ex-partner. That was a bit rough. And then uh, slowly came out at school, came out at work, came out to family, and then um, started testosterone like two years into that. And I've been on testosterone for, I think, almost five years. Um, so yeah, that's kind of been the journey. So you said it was a little rough with your ex-partner. Was it because you wanted to transition? Yes. Um, there was other reasons. We ended up getting a divorce, but there's other reasons. Um, but yeah, that that was that was part of it. Um as as two lesbians, you know, you're married, you have a wife, and then all of a sudden your your wife tells you, 
I'm a man and now you have a husband and how does that change your identity as a lesbian? Um, and so it was a lot. And so that did play a part. I don't, I don't consider it being like the main reason we got a divorce, but that played a part for sure. it's really complicated (laughs) but essentially that did play a part um and and after a while she was very um she was trying really hard to be understanding and supportive um and then the more um deeper I got into the transition being on tea or um changing my parents a bit the more I want to say maybe assertive or like confidence that I had around things that me before um, would kind of let go of. So there, there, if there were issues, I didn't really have a lot of self-esteem. And so um, I would let a lot of it go. But then as I became a man, for some reason, this realization of like confidence and like, what am I doing? You know, this isn't healthy. Um, and so that was kind of what led me to ask for a divorce. Wow. A lot of that resonates with me um, transitioning um, while I was married as well. And, and a lot of things within yourself, if, as you learn yourself, right? And as you are on T, things change and you don't want, you're not necessarily things that you're looking to change, but they just happen. And yeah. sometimes you have that shift in, in, in the person that you're with at the time. Sometimes it just doesn't line up. And you yeah. really have to know when it's that time to say, well, you know what? This is not going to work. Because it's not fair to you and it's also not fair to the other person, right? If you're just trying to hold on to force something to work, you know, even if you love each other, it just sometimes fundamentally, it just it just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, so what what advice would you have to someone who's listening? It's like, hey, you know, I'm in a relationship, I'm in a long term relationship and I want to transition, too, but I don't know how to tell my partner. Is there any advice of like how to work that or maneuver through that? Yeah. One of the things that uh, I learned in therapy because I had a do therapy for uh, getting top surgery. So uh, one of the main things that was like the biggest nugget was um, when you figure out that you're trans, it's kind of like, and, and, and maybe this is just me, but this like, you want to just zoom in and like be, you know, fast forward a year or two and you want to be on T and you want to do surgery and you want to do this and change your name and do all these things. And for the person who's with you, they're like going at a much slower pace with all of that. And it's kind of like also allowing them the space to grieve the person that they're losing, right? Because as much as we want to say, like, we're not this, you know, we're going to be the same person, we're not, right? Like, things we like or our personalities change a tiny bit, or um, we're a different, we're a different human being when we transition, right? In a sense, right? And so, um giving space to grieve for that person to grieve the loss of who you were um and then slowing down to where you can walk with them during the process and like not because again for me it was just like all right i want to do this and this and this and this and i want to be five years ahead and they're like whoa (laughs) that's a lot i'm still on like the fact that you know you're you're you, you identify as a man so just kind of, uh, yeah, taking it, taking it step by step with them. That's that's so hard. I, as I'm hearing you uh, speak on it, it's like I'm reflecting on my own relationship, and it's like it is hard. You know, you you're right because you once you come to that realization that you want to transition, like oh, and you put the pieces together, like oh, 
this this was in my in my cars my whole life. Mm-hmm. You just want to be like you right. Get to that end point. I want to feel my best self. I want to live authentically, right? Because that in between part is is rough. It's kind of hard. Um, one thing I know a previous guest um was lucky episode eight. And he talked about transitioning with children. And so it was like, okay, when I began to transition with children, I went into um, therapy, but I also put my children into therapy. He put his ch- his child into therapy to cope with his transition. And I'm wondering if it would be a good practice for folks that are in relationships to start maybe a couple's therapy around their transition. What, what are your thoughts on that? I agree. I mean, every couple should have couples therapy in general, just because it probably would save a lot of time and heartache um, in the sense of like how to communicate as a couple or how to argue as a couple. Um, But definitely, I think even individual therapy for that person to grieve the loss of, you know, the either man or woman that they were with um, would be beneficial. Um, But yeah, couples therapy, because again, there's so much that as a person who's transitioning, we're holding and and it's hard sometimes to like communicate that if you've never been in a situation and even when we're going through it we don't know what we're going through but it's a lot to hold and so having somebody there to um, help either mediate or like have that person really listen and understand how you're feeling and, and vice versa you to them um would be great i think yeah yeah i i'm a i'm an advocate for therapy um I think it's helpful, not just for yourself, but for everyone, really, right? So, Amelia, when we talk about family, we talked about your parents um, and the renaming process. And so you talked about your previous relationships. What's going on with you now as far as family goes? Yeah, so um, I feel like everything happens for a reason. And, um, you know, I also know nothing is promised, but currently I am with a very intelligent, beautiful um, Latina who is also a therapist. So our fights are funny because we're like, <laughs> your, your feelings are, you know, let's process this together. Um, and she has two beautiful boys who are seven and 10. And we've been together for almost four years. Um, and it's been a really good experience. I never in my life thought I would get to be a dad. I thought that maybe I would adopt like foster youth maybe or be a foster parent um in my 50s 60s um and so just having this opportunity to be there for them um is something that i can't describe like at all this just fills my heart um no matter if it's a good day bad day like their faces like you just (laughs) light up right um and they actually know that i'm trans too um and that was um, a whole process. It, I, so I wrote a short story um, that was like, I don't know, like a page. It wasn't even long. But it was a short story about a little girl and basically like my life, right, who transitioned and became a man. And so um, they were like, oh, that's cool. That's a cool little story, right? And I was like, yeah, you know, like that's kind of like me and my life, right? And so then I kind of shared with them and they were interested and they wanted to see pictures of me before, or um, I think I had recorded my voice changing like most of us do um, throughout the years. And so I showed them that. And so um, it's been a really good experience just because they understand what transgender is. Um, 
and they respect me and they see me as as a, as a, as a dad and as a guy um so yeah it's been it's been a great journey with them i love that a lot and that's that's how i became a parent um yes. my previous relationship i came in i talk about my son a lot on on the on the show but yeah and just i transitioned in front of him right and he was the first one of the after I told my wife at the time, he was the first, the second person that I told that I was going to transition. And he was just like, let's do it. You know, just to have the love of children that that's just builds greater generations in the future, really. Right. I, sure. I believe. And yeah. to know that your partner is a therapist. I would love to see some like YouTube videos or clips of like, <laughs> how to argue with your partner if they're a therapist. <laughs> that would be kind of cool. <laughs> uh, well we don't really argue that's the thing i don't really think we've ever yelled at each other that's beautiful uh, actually well she's very much like your tone sir you know and i'm like oh okay so it's pretty I, love it. I love yeah. it thank you for sharing uh your family with us i love that love it love it and so um you are a mental health therapist is that correct yeah i'm a licensed clinical social worker okay great so you, you want to talk more on that about the work that you do yeah, so um, essentially, well, I've been a social worker or in the social work field most of my life. So I've worked with child protective services um, in different capacities. Um, and in the last couple of years, shifted to mental health. Um, I'll be soon, hopefully, uh, working with foster youth and doing mental health assessments with them. Um, in a couple of weeks, I start a new job. So I'm excited about that, kind of getting back to like the roots of what I love to do, combining mental health with foster youth. Um, but yeah, you know, as a kid, um, not understanding your, your, your feelings or like how to process certain things because we don't have the tools, um, at that age to, to manage it, um, was something that as I grew older, I wanted to be able to help youth, especially, um, learn that, right? I mean, if you're 15 and you learn how to process without, um, like a situation or, 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 or cope in a healthier way than, drugs or alcohol or avoiding or shutting yourself down, how, how, how beneficial would that be? How, how could that change the course of someone's life? Right. And so um, that was like the main reason I got into this, this particular field and, and hopefully my career will be really just down the line, like partial youth or LGBT youth. Um, I want to take some trainings around like LGBT stuff to be able to provide better support. Um, I would love to do the the gender assessments one day too. So like all aligned with with that because it's also um, there's not that many transgender therapists um, or transgender therapists of color. And so some of my clients, um, I think I only ever really disclosed to one, um, but just having a Latino therapist if they're Latino or having a person of color or having a trans therapist and being seen, right, um, is is just so important. So that, you know, that's another reason why I'm in the field too. I love that. I don't know if you've heard uh, episode 14 with Melly. Melly is also uh, a therapist and doing some of the work that you've mentioned. Um, so what my question to you is first, so I have two questions. My, my first question is when we say mental health therapist and we say social worker, for folks that don't know, is there a distinct difference between the two? Yeah, so a social worker is essentially a role that someone can have. Um, 
same mental health therapist is a role somebody could have. Um, and there's different types of degrees. So as a master of social work, you can become licensed, um, just like a marriage and family therapist. And then you're able to do therapy with um, people and provide that service. Um, but social work, that could be in medical field, it could be in schools, it could be in, um, in uh, the, you know, a juvenile justice system, it could be in child welfare, it could be that, that role itself is, is in a lot of different um, areas of uh, the systems that, you know, uh, people access. So how long have you been um, in doing social work? Uh, since I was 20. So I think I did like 17 years or so of social work wow. in some capacity. Yeah. So I, it, I was working and doing more um, support of social workers because I, I didn't have my education yet. I, I wasn't really like into school. Um, and I would drive foster youth around um, up and down the county um, to their appointments or to go shopping. Um, and it was it was in those conversations where, where I would be with the with those foshies, um that would be kind of like not not therapy obviously because I wasn't a therapist but just having uh, somebody to listen to you um, and 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 being able to trust somebody to hold what you're feeling after a visit you know or maybe your parents didn't show up or you know you had a hard day at court um, and so. I wanted to um, be able to do more. And so that's why I went back and I got my um, education and got my master's and all of that. Um, and then I was a social worker in San Francisco for a couple of years um, in emergency response. And that was interesting, uh, you know, showing up at people's doors, but either yourself or the cops and, and investigating, you know, um, allegations of abuse. But it's, it's a very much needed you know, role to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you said you've been doing that for 17 years, but you began transition transitioning five years ago. So obviously with the numbers, right, that that intertwine with each other. So how was it in, in the position of with social work and your transition? How did that work out for you? It was it was interesting because I feel like I had a transition. You, you're transitioning in a sense in every part of your life, right? Like you're having to come out to your friends. Um, you're having to come out to your family. You're coming out at work if you're changing your name. Um, if you're in school, you're coming out at school. And so it was kind of like kind of prioritizing, I guess, like what was necessary and also like more so like what kind of support I would get right at the time. So initially when I um, figured out that I was transgender and wanted to transition, um, I was still in my master's program. And so I came out um, at school and the way that I came out was um, I had spoken to um, my teacher about it and I essentially was like, Hey, this is what's going on. And so at the beginning of the, the class, even though we all knew each other and all of that, she still had to say our names. And so I went last and was like, my name is Emilio. Um, and we all had to say our pronouns too. And so at that point, everybody was like, Oh, okay. And everybody was super supportive um, at work. Um, people were supportive. However, they had seen me grow up, right? And so um, getting mis misnamed, misgendered was very common, but it wasn't, I didn't feel like it was something people were doing on purpose. 
it's just just like with family right like you've seen somebody some people i had known for over 10 years at the time and they knew me as who i was before and so to all of a sudden be like all right i'm going to call you emilio was like a bit of a difficult thing for some people um but everybody was so supportive and i don't know if that's because it's social workers and that's kind of what we're supposed to do in general is like have empathy and support and all of that but i didn't really have that part of the time and they changed my name and my email and all of that um so it was um kind of smooth in a sense but but yeah there were some bumps with people not not um calling me by emilio how is it now at work now so before people would use maybe you wouldn't call you emilio or whatever how is it now fast forward to five years now yeah so i work at a different job now i work for a different county um half of the people i don't even think know i'm transgender um i've shared with some people it's you know it's not like i'm not willing to share it's just i don't know people like that (laughs) to want to tell them but um yeah no you know there's people that never knew that i was uh, a female never knew my my dead name never ever knew none of that so it's it's a pretty smooth now you ever feel on edge because some people know and some people don't do you ever feel like maybe somebody may the a person that knows you may out you in the way that you're not prepared for? Like, do you ever worry about that? I did when I was working for San Francisco because I did know people there who knew me before who had transitioned to the city and were there. Um, and that did happen once or twice where they kind of were like, Oh, she's, you know, or, but it was, it wasn't, it wasn't like too bad. It happened maybe a couple times and then uh, people understood because at that point I still, even though I was on testosterone, I had just started. So I still pretty, you know, looked pretty feminine um, and my voice hadn't dropped. And, and so it was like, I'm presenting as a certain way, but then I'm named a uh, male name. So, I mean, I feel like people knew also, but um, yeah, it's not really an issue now. Sometimes though, if I go to Daily City, uh, where I was, where I was raised, and if I see people that I haven't seen in forever, they'll be like, "Oh, is that?" And they'll say my my old name. Yeah. Um, but I'm like, "Oh, my name's Emilio now," and you know. But yeah, that's kind of hard. I hate that too. Like usually, like when I run in my, if I'm in my old neighborhood, because I'm I live in, in El Cerrito, but I'm right next door to to Richmond where I grew up. Sometimes if I see folks, I'll just try to hide. Because one thing that somebody told me is it, it your eyes never change. So even if somebody looks at you and your facial features have changed, your eyes never change. Yeah. And so sometimes I'll see folks, I'm like, I don't even want to go through that. I'm just going to turn and go down aisle three <laughs> and I'm just going to avoid you in general. Hey, this is Sean Aaron. I'm the founder and executive director of Them Boys, Inc. I am also the host of Them Boys podcast. As you may know, Them Boys provides financial assistance to trans men of color in order for them to obtain gender affirming surgery. We have great news. We're currently looking for volunteers to help support our programs. Our programs include our gender affirming surgery grant program and also our personal care package program. We personally curate packages filled with personal hygiene items, just to name a few things like tissue, soap, towels, toothpaste, and toothbrushes. We mail them out to trans men of color across the country who may be in need of help caring for their personal hygiene needs. 
We are looking for volunteers to help raise funds to support our programs. Also, we're looking for someone locally to the Bay Area to help us put all of the care packages together. If our mission is something that resonates with you and you would like to help support our work, just let us know. You can send an email to hello at themboys.org. That is H-E-L-L-O at D-E-M-B-O-I-S dot org. And we will get back to you with further details. Thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoy the next episode. Earlier, you said that you work with, um, you have a passion to work with foster youth. Um, I know that you're a first generation um, person here in San Francisco yeah. Bay Area. Um, does that have, does your background as being the first generation have anything to do with your desire to work with foster youth? Or is that just something that uh, you've developed over time? I think I've developed that over time. Um, again, I, I was so um, inspired by all of the social workers that I, I, I got to assist when I was uh, at my first job. Um, a lot of them were really strong uh Latina and black women who I consider family now. Um and seeing them empathize with families, seeing them support families, um do everything they can to not remove children, um going the extra mile, like seeing all of that, like there's no way you're not gonna fall in love with the field, right? Even though it's a, a difficult field, it's stressful. Uh, people can't wait to get out of that field sometimes because of how stressful it is. But seeing all of that, like I fell in love with all of it, like working with youth. Um, but yeah, I was really inspired by by all of those social workers. Today in in, in the legislation, right? We have all these. Uh, I can't remember the specific number of all the things in legislation right now, but it's a lot and too many to count um, against all these anti-trans bills and, and a lot specifically for the youth. Um, would you like to speak on, I want to say the importance of mental health, but also for the young folks um, as they grow up and, and, you know, we know who we are sometimes. Well, I transitioned later in life and, and, and you did as well. And so sometimes it took a little bit, right. But now with the, the, the use of more language, and social media and just the, the the visibility, right? Youth are able to express who they are at younger ages. Um, I think that this is this is kind of a, of a multi question. It's like I feel like I'm layering it, like a layered question. But how do you feel, like in connection with the anti-trans legislation and mental health with the youth? How do you feel about that? I mean, that is a very layered. That is. That <laughs> is. All the legislation is just it's it's uh it's hard to to it's it's difficult to know that that's happening in this country in the year that we're in with how far maybe we felt we had come when it came to diversity inclusion um of of lgbtq people um mental health is so important and, and part of that is because if you're young and you know you're different, whether that's gay, lesbian, transgender, um, and you're in a state where you can't transition or where you can't obtain those services until you're 18, how do you cope knowing that that's who you are, that's your identity, but you cannot um, 
transition or you cannot get the services that you would normally get maybe in other states or, you know, a couple of months ago. And so having somebody to talk to, to process, to learn those coping skills is going to be so important. And then another issue too, is just access to mental health. That, that in of itself is a whole nother can of worms um, for some people. And so I think that, um, you know, any, any youth who's in that situation, just if not a therapist, having somebody to talk to the process. Um, I think that's part of the reason why, you know, in foster youth, it's kind of not mandatory, but they're provided mental health services um, or at least assessments in order to make sure that they're supported. Um, you know, there, there, I mean, and there's so many statistics and different things, but there's a lot of LGBTQ youth in the foster system and they end up getting placed a lot or, um, run away or um, end up suffering violence at the hands of, of others for coming out. And so um, mental health is like one of the biggest things that somebody can can uh, try to obtain in order to find that support. Because I know talking to somebody isn't going to solve everything, um, but it can help them cope. Thank you. For answering that, I, I feel like it was layered, and you you kind of answered that perfectly. Thank awesome. you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So obviously, you're in this profession because you believe in it, right? So, how important is mental health? I mean, it's so important. Everybody should get a therapist if they can, right? I mean, if they have access to it, it never hurts to talk to somebody. What you know, whether it's stress, learning about depression, learning about anxiety. What triggers you? Have you experienced trauma? Have you processed that? Um, you know, sometimes we feel we're a certain way. Like, let's say somebody has anger stuff going on. It, maybe it isn't even anger. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe they have ADHD. Um, there's a lot to it. And so it's, you know, accessing mental health is just so important for our society. And, and it's really hard when there's been such a stigma to it, um, especially for Latino and, and um, black people or people of color um, who don't access it at, at rates of other uh, ethnic groups. Um, because in other, in other countries, you know, there's not that much of a stigma or it's easily accessible. Um, and I know with a lot of these insurances, people have to go through hoops to wait here on a wait list to, uh, get services um, if they don't have insurance, and it's it's difficult. I remember when I um, was about to when I needed a letter, I guess for the transition stuff. I went to uh, one of the clinics in the city that provides support to transgender people um, to sign up for therapy, and I thought, okay, I'll just go there. Um, and they they were like, uh, we can start you on T, but therapy is going to be at least six months to a year. And I was like, oh my gosh. And so then at that point, I real, you know, I spoke with my doctor about it. Um, and they were like, you know, we have these services and blah, blah, blah. So I was able to get services through my insurance. And I want to say that by the time I had already had therapy a year and a half, had surgery scheduled. And that's when that um, agency called me back to say they had found me a therapist. And it's, and it's so sad because people are waiting so long for services that they need, right? Had I not had the privilege of having insurance, 
and having the job that I did, I would have had to have waited that whole time, you know, um, trying to cope on my own with these feelings or these changes. And, you know, just reflecting on that, it is sad that folks cannot get what they need in general. I'm talking about now I'm just speaking general. Folks are unhoused. Folks can't get medical attention. Folks can't get mental health. Attention. You know, it, it's just sad at the where we are in this country and the priorities that are being placed on things that should not be a priority. Um, I even know for myself, um, I think I've been in therapy consistently on a weekly basis for about a year now. And and I have benefits. Right. And I was in a very low point. And I had suicide ideation. I was just really depressed and I, j- I needed help. And they say, well, uh, we don't know how they didn't even say six months. They said, we don't know how long it's going to be. Well, here's a list of therapists and go figure this out. Right. And it was like a list of like 30 people. So you want me in my state to go through this list, calling folks, trying to figure this out. It just it just until I got to such a low point to one of my friends was like, you know what? You need some help. Here's a therapist. You, and so I had to decide that I was going to pay out of my pocket and not even go through my my insurance because I really needed the help. Right. And so what are we talking about? Like when people don't have that access to do that, that re- the resources to do that, you know, yeah. and it's it's really hard, especially for you. Right. It's like, yeah. you know, you're not working or right. we don't know the you know, in foster youth. Right. You, you're going from place to place. You don't have that steady. um steady home or steady you don't have stability right yeah. and and it's very hard and so when i think of transitioning how important is it for someone to live authentically in connection with their mental health so right people think oh you know y'all ch- you choose to be like this right we hear all the stuff on social media like oh you choose to be uh identify as a trans person you don't have to be but how is that connected to our well-being and our mental health I mean, I think it's completely connected. Um, no one chooses anything, right? Like, especially with how the world is today, you know, it's not like, let me go ahead and, you know, and it sounds really sarcastic, but like, you know, let me go ahead and make my life super difficult and not be able to have access to things that I wouldn't normally have to deal with um, for the for the hell of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I didn't, you know, for most of my 20s, I was pretty miserable um, and I didn't understand why, you know, I would look at my life and I'd be like, I have all these things and this and that. And it wasn't until I figured all of it out and then started therapy that all of that kind of went away. And, and, And I think like, yes, feeling authentic, feeling like yourself, being confident, being happy in your skin is a feeling that you, you know, is indescribable. Um, But also having somebody to talk to about it, who understands what you're going through or who can support you with, you know, issues with your family, who isn't maybe supporting you or your partner breaks up with you. um, Having somebody to talk to is so important. Um, So I feel like they go hand in hand. I feel like, your mental health is affected if you don't get to a point where um, you can be your authentic self, right? Like if I had a transition, I don't know. 
I was really miserable. <laughs> Do you have any um, advice for someone that may be listening or maybe even some resources for folks um, that are looking for mental health services? Yeah, um, I mean, just doing everything that you can. I mean, it's so hard, right? Like I also had to call, like, uh, like I want to say I called during the pandemic, I must have called like 80 therapists um, in the course of a couple of months. I also had to pay out of pocket um, eventually, but um, insurance, there's low fee referrals. A lot of the time, if people can't afford it, there is usually a wait list, but um, at some point you'll get some support, right? Um, sometimes there's sliding scale. Um, there's institutes where you have uh, people who are getting trained for psychiatry or, or psychology degrees who will do it um, at a low fee, right? So there's ways. And so if someone is in need of that and can't access it through insurance, um, you know, most counties have some type of uh, resource number, whether I think in our county it's 211. Um, and getting connected to the access lines. Each county has that and they're able to point them in the right direction uh, for mental health or alcohol and drug services. So I think, you know, kind of knowing what's in your county um, is a good start. And then just kind of knocking on all the doors, essentially. And when you say in every county, are you speaking in every state? Every state and county should have access to these types of things? I know in California we do. <laughs> Um, in California, every every county has an access line where you can call and, and try to get mental health services through Medi-Cal or Medicare. And if you have private insurance, then you go through your private insurance. Um, and at the worst, they'll just kind of put you in the right direction, um, the access lines. Um, so I'm not quite certain in other states how that works. Um, I would hope, right, that other states um, have some type of line like that. But calling resource lines in your area, um, any nonprofits, churches offer therapy at times too. Um, yeah, wellness centers, you know, kind of, again, just kind of learning your area and seeing what resources are there. So are you interested in the future going into private practice? Yes, um, that is the dream. But with the economy, I'm a little scared to jump, jump ship for my job and, and do that. So uh, uh, not quite yet. I do, I do see clients through a telehealth uh, company that I work for. Um, and I get to work with, with some youth and um, most of my clients are people of color. Um, but yeah, one day I want to have an office. I want to like have a room full of toys and board games and be able to do therapy with youth or with you know young adults and, and adults let's manifest that put that yes. out there and and we want that for you definitely so what if somebody listen and say hey you know i would like to do this telehealth i want to connect with you your story resonates with me can is that possible for somebody to connect directly with you um I work for a particular agency, and so if you have that particular insurance, I think that's easy to do. Um, but I could very well do private clients, so <laughs> yeah, they, you know, people can can contact me. So I know I know you're a busy person, and so I don't want to keep you. I I really appreciate you for being here. Um, 
we need to get more. I need to get more therapists on the show. Um, you, you're my second therapist, and nice. I love it. I love it. Um, so this is the part of the show where I like to ask the guests a random question. So I have a list of random questions that may or may not have anything to do with what we talked about today. Um, I'm at 30 questions now. So if you pick a number between 1 and 30, I'll read that question off to you. 22. 20, you, you was ready. You know what 22 is? My partner's birthday. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Uh, so number 22 says, name four famous people, dead or alive, who you would invite over for the perfect dinner party. That's a good one. Frida Kahlo, just because she seemed real chill and I would love to like paint with her. Uh, I like to paint and, and design things. So that would be fun. Um, Oprah, because why not? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Obama and Marilyn Monroe. I don't know. I can't think of anything. <laughs> so we got Frida Kahlo, Obama, Oprah, and Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. That's that's one hell of a party. What are we eating at the party? Some uh, Salvadorian food, maybe some pupusas. Oh, my goodness. I love pupusas. And then we would talk about mental health because all of them have had mental health uh, stuff going on. Yes. Yes, that's perfect. Yes, I love that answer. <laughs> love it, love it. Emilio, thank you for being the guest on the show. Uh, any Any last thoughts or anything that you would like to say before we close? No, I just really appreciate you having me on. And uh, yeah, I'm excited uh, just to know you now and to like know you're in the Bay. Yeah, for sure. I, I love building community with folks. So yeah, definitely. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you. So we have reached the end of this episode. I want to say thank you for listening to Them Boys Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Sean Aaron. He, him, his. Be sure to visit our website at themboys.org. That is D-E-M-B-O-I-S dot org. If you would like to connect with us, be sure to follow us on Instagram or Facebook. If you think you would be a great guest on the show, or if you know somebody you think would be a great guest on the show, there's multiple ways to request to be a guest on the show. First is you can go visit our Instagram page, click the link in our bio. And from there, you'll be able to request to be a guest on the show. Or you can visit our website, click the programs tab up top, scroll down to podcast, click the podcast button. And from there on the podcast page, you'll be able to request to be a guest on the show. Yo, we need questions, y'all. If you have those burning questions, a question that you want to ask me or a future guest on the show, there's multiple ways that you can send in questions, right? So first, you can go to Instagram, DM us that question. Or you can email us at hello at themboys.org. That's H-E-L-L-O, like hi, at themboys.org. Be sure to like the show. Be sure to share this show out with your friends and other folks in your networks. So until next time, take care. <laughs>